pudding, and the pudding in this case is a football. Boom! Eat my goal! The goalie has got football pie all over his shirt. Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pool podcast. Um, on this one, we actually get to celebrate a victory. So I'm pretty, pretty excited about this one. Um, our show is obviously, uh, as anybody who was listening last week uh, now knows, is brought to you by Moore's. Moore's. <laughs> Molson Coors. Yeah, so that's uh, that's uh, that's me forward straight away after we two getting the fucking name of the brand wrong. Uh, so yeah, brought to you by uh, Molson Coors, our amazing sponsors. Uh, welcome back to the show, Gar. Uh, hopefully you're in good form. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, I can certainly say, oh shit, I can't say actually. Moors, Moors, Coors, Molson. <laughs> Cause Molson, Molson cores. There we go. Uh, yeah, so we're like we're definitely we, we just got the sponsorship and we've already lost it. Uh, so so like there's a couple of um little bits of housekeeping I wanted to do just before we got into the uh, the episode. Uh, this week I'm drinking Heineken 0.0. Uh, just it's the kind of mood I'm in. Um, just a little plug in there. Uh, we have a competition going. Uh, for tickets to the Heineken deck. Uh, with a free Heineken for each ticket. Um, head over to Twitter and to Instagram. There's an easy question you have to do. And I think uh, it's just like like and follow the usual kind of stuff you have to do on Instagram. Um, I was actually at the deck for a little bit on, on Saturday. And it's actually a nice little spot. It's nice. It's kind of tucked away in the corner. Uh, you kind of get to see everything. And um, the service was was pretty cool. You get a little VIP card for it because you're, you're a Heineken. I, I, I got one lackey. of the... I actually got one of those deck tickets and uh, you walk over and uh, like you just tell the girls in behind who you are and uh, you, you get your Heineken. So, yeah. Did you, I, ask, I, did you ask them if they knew who you were? Oh, no, I didn't have to. They knew straight away who I was. <laughs> like, oh, you're not down the pub guy, right? No, they, they did not do that whatsoever. No, but um, I, I wasn't drinking at the game because I just got my teeth out. So um, it was pretty much wasted on me to be perfectly honest so <laughs> uh, i got a i got a, a heineken 0. 0.0 um and i spent most of the game up in the uh the media box actually because i was afraid I, I don't know i was just really paranoid that somebody's going to hit into me or something if, 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 and hit if your teeth sco- yeah if we scored it's like somebody hit my jaw so i was like yeah. oh, i'm just going to sit up in the media box so I, f- I feel like you're more likely to get your jaw hit by someone in the media box I know. the way you go on about the club sometimes uh, i know <laughs> <laughs> you're a bastard no uh but it's um yeah but it, it, and it's very very tight up there. it's a tight squeeze up there but yeah so i um i, I watched the game from up there so it's kind of nice again i, I like the view up there is pretty awesome you get to kind of get a good see and then i looked across and i just seen this hooligan up on the back of the stand could you could uh, you make me out from over there yeah, i could i could yeah. I, I saw you like seeding and being angry and stuff. yeah like, oh that's it gary arms um, folded just like looking mildly disappointed and seething at everything i see that's <laughs> that tends to be my modus operandi for matches I'm wearing a bench coat, which I thought was weird for like how hot it was. You like had one of those Alex Ferguson bench coats on with your initials <laughs> on it and stuff. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so uh, the, one of the things I wanted to mention is um, uh, best of luck in the future to uh, a friend of the show, uh, Dave Finlayson, who uh, 
has left the Wanderers and has moved on to uh, pastures new. Um, Dave is an amazing ambassador for the club. Anybody who's come across him, you, you'll know the passion that he has for the for the club. And he's, uh, he's I think he was like a, a day oneer. He's been there mm. since the start, and he just lives and breathes the Wanderers. And I guess it'd be kind of cool to get to hang out with him um, at a game now and not see him like. The big ball of stress he is on game day, <laughs> trying to keep all the sponsors happy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, how about yourself? Have you had much uh, interactions with Dave at the games and stuff? Yeah, Dave. Dave's wicked. Like I remember, so I started this. I started my blog in late 2018, and I remember like I had about 10 followers for the first couple of months, and I was I was like, churning out quite a lot of articles. And for every single article I did, it would have one retweet every single time, and it'd always be Dave. And I, I didn't know he worked for the club at the time. I just thought, oh, it's just a nice person who keeps retweeting everything. Um, and he, he's, he's like not dropped that level of support since then either. Like he's always, everything you do, he retweets. Like he's, he, he listens and engages with it because he's always got a comment about it to show that he's read it or, or listened to it. Um, privately as well, behind the scenes, like he's always like helped out with trying to get sponsorships on board, trying to like... A, organized live events and and like he doesn't need to do that for us either like we're not exactly bringing any money into the club um like obviously his focus is 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 actual sponsors corporate sponsors and i'm sure he does that really well because he puts in that much effort to help us so yeah. i'm sure he does like loads more for the actual corporate sponsors as well and and just like aside from that it's just like a good dude like he's nice he's really nice to talk to easy to talk to and yeah happy happy his 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 careers on the up and like also happy that he'll now be coming to games and we'll get to see him in games and talk to him about the match and well he doesn't have to wear his like club hat he can he can like be more open and stuff so yeah good for Dave like lovely bloke really really nice guy yeah uh he, he's amazing and uh, I've seen him play football and uh, is he good he, he's he's really good he's got a he's got a wand of a right foot but he's uh He's got a bit of a temper, which you wouldn't think when you actually talk to him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were playing against his team, and he kind of he, he stuck a boot into somebody, but uh, yeah, uh, which I which I thought was quite quite funny and also quite disturbing. That it's just like that kind of serial killer, like you don't know what they're really like behind closed yeah, doors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the club is like really lucky. I mean, like like you know, from from the start, the a lot of the people that they've brought on board, like really have got in behind the project i mean like you look at marvin who's an amazing ambassador dylan dylan lawrence like you know he was the media guy and he's kind of like he's head of content now or, or something like that and then ryan who kind of came in and is helping um uh helps dylan out is like fantastic um like even like steven and derek themselves like i mean like they live and breathe the club and you kind of need to have that another thing i wanted to kind of just touch on uh the nova scotia final was on this weekend uh between um the senior triple a between uh suburban and dunbrack uh my good friend ollie uh ollie hewis she's also a, a, a tottenham fan uh yeah, so many of you like rats i know but he he was the he's, he's the head coach and uh he's the technical director for suburban so it's uh he's won one more trophy than tottenham have in the last 20 years so uh good for ollie um it was a really good game there was a, a ton of people up there and it goes to show you that like the grassroots of the game here in, in nova scotia is definitely coming along i mean like mm. honestly it was up in the mainland commons i don't know if you've been up there at the back of no the... it's that's fairview way isn't it 
Yeah, it's where the Wanderers actually trained, you know, that kind of... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. that. I know where they trained. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it was up there, and, geez, it must have been like four or five hundred people out. It was it was nice. The beaches were full. Yeah, and there was like a little... There was like a little singing section in the corner and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. I brought the boys up and it was a, it was a good day out. Um, and then my my last little bits and pieces before we move on to the actual game itself is uh, obviously uh, Kareem and Crimson uh, uh, and uh, Colin Gander are going back to school. Um, I, I talked to Kareem after the game and he was really happy that he got to go with a victory. And mm. uh, I felt bad for Colin Gander that he never he didn't get to do his like his little lap but i guess at the end because he was injured and he yeah. i guess he'd left already so um yeah just if you just want to give a quick word there and uh what do you think of kareem and, and colin's contribution so far to the season yeah i think they both they both they both like gave everything for us which is all you can ask for really um it was interesting watching gander's development because he was a bit of an unknown when he came in i thought i thought in general, he's pretty solid for us. Like yep. he, he's not he's not the most eye-catching player in the world, but I don't really want him to be, to be honest. I think it was always about getting a professional season under his belt, proving to himself he could exist at this level and just being as solid as possible. And then the hope going forward would be now he's proven to himself defensively he can exist at this level, that he could start adding some more attacking bows as well. Um who know it might be at the wondrous grounds we see him do that it might be for another club in the cpl but I, th- I think he i think he'll be an interesting squad player for any team going forward next year or the year after um so as well i, I felt like we i mean we discussed it quite a lot on here maybe unfairly put into some game situations during the first couple of weeks of being back um but he he settled in once again. We know we know what kind of player he is like he's a center back who's very good on the ball. You don't you don't really want him exposed too much on set pieces or with kind of long diagonals you don't you don't want him to be having those duels but what he's good at is kind of foot on the ball looking up seeing a picture and picking a pass out and yeah I mean we saw on Saturday against Valor like how good he is at that and how secure he is in possession so yeah another one another one that will be missed but um yeah best of luck to him back at school yeah uh two great guys I, I totally uh uh um, echo what you're saying there. Like, I mean, I, I thought I thought Colin was um, he was kind of thrown into the deep end a little bit because everybody was expecting Tabby to be the guy, and then he kind of took over and he kind of made that place his own. And uh, he he just brings something a little bit different. Like I mean, like he's kind of like a little bit different than what Fernandez and Tabby is that he's kind of more solid defensively. Um, you're not gonna he's not the type of guy you're gonna see bombing up and down the pitch, but he's also got a, a pretty good. Uh, uh, cross on him actually because I, I think was it, he set up a goal I think for somebody um which was a pretty nice nice setup so yeah so um best of luck to the two guys hopefully we'll get to see them back next year I think that um both are good enough for this level I thought uh, Kareem was actually uh, as you said uh, played really really well on on Saturday and was a good way for him to kind of piece out um so then obviously the news of that was then followed by the news that we've got two new players. Um, we've got Gabriel Escobar and Nassim Nouadjah. I hope I'm saying that right. I, I think, yeah, I think something. I saw the pronunciation guide the club gave, and I think it's something like that. You think I would have studied it up a little bit, right? Um, <laughs> to yeah. be honest, I, I, like you say that, I know you're going to ask me a question about them in a second, and I have no idea about either of them. I have not had time to watch anything. So, yeah, I haven't studied up either. <laughs> No, it, it's like I like you know I've kind of uh, obviously I've read what the club has said and I know that um, 
Derek Simon had reached out to TSS Rovers. Uh, the oh right, okay. Escobar said and they said that like he's he likes to bomb forward and he's got like a wand of a left foot and all that kind of stuff. So it seems to me like from what they're saying, he's kind of like a, a Fernandez type player that he's gonna mm. like bring a lot of energy. Um, I think uh, Nassim uh, had he was on he was with Montreal's academy and I think he was doing like pretty well and then he's got like dual citizenship i think he's like tunisian or something like that. i think he went off to to do something with that um and then it's kind of he's kind of come back into the circles of uh, like um canadian football so he's uh apparently he's according to matt fegan he's um right let me see here let's just look along here he's got like his little word up uh, he's he's still only 18 but he's composing the ball and strong leadership qualities uh, we admire as well as the versatility to play at the back or in a holding midfield position. Love a versatile um, player. Yeah, I know it's like it's it's like their their catchword for for everybody. But yeah, he, he sounds promising. They brought him in. It, it's kind of a no. It's kind of a, a, a no lose situation. You bring him in a developmental contract, uh, but it sounds a bit. Um, they're expecting him to be pushing for the first team, um, which mm. you know. But can't they only play a, a certain amount of games? though, is it? Yeah, it's like three games, and then you have to. Kind of, I guess you kind of have to make a decision on them. Uh, I think oh, you can, okay, that I think early. You can, yeah, I think you can do like an extension or something like that. Mm. But um, I guess like, yeah, he's like it's it's a good way to do a trial, I suppose. Um, yeah, like, we, we haven't seen anything of uh, Nick Gagnon at all. So no, no, no. I mean, I guess, I guess, like we've got what nine games left this season, so he only needs to play in thirty percent of them to get a look, thirty three percent of them to get a look at him. Another another thing that caught my eye reading this article. Uh, what did uh, Matt Fegan say? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh yeah, he was talking talking about um, uh, Escobar. He is tenacious with an excellent mentality that would be important as we compete for the playoffs the rest of the season. I mean, the club has to say that, don't they? Like they can't be. We we, we can be honest on here and say fucking there's not hell, no it's fucking like... job. But I mean, if you're the club, you have to. Like, can you imagine the pelters the club would get if, like, they were saying, "Yeah, the playoffs are done." Like, people. Would... I, I know, but like, just don't say anything. It's like fucking hell, man. It's like Jesus, like like sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. You know. It's just, it's... Anyway, um, so let's get into the game here, man. Uh, so yeah, good luck to the guys coming in. Um, I expect we're going to see a lot more of Escobar than we might see of Nassim, but I think that um, from the sounds of it, um, I'm, I'm excited to see what he what he can bring for us. Team selection, uh, we, mm. we, it looks like we went for the same formation pretty much as um, Forge. Yeah, I mean, I was quite surprised actually because I don't, I'm, I'm almost certain I'm wrong here, but I don't recall us ever playing five three two at home. I, I, I kind of always assumed they found it a bit too stodgy and a bit too defensive to use in a home game where hypothetically the impetus should be with with Halifax. But so, yeah, I, I, I was at the pub and I saw the lineup and I was chatting to Shep and we were like, that looks like a 5-3-2, but no, it probably isn't because we're at home. But yeah, lo and behold, it was. And I guess the most interesting part of it for me was how the midfield was shaped. So the midfield three was was Omar, Rampasad and Jeremy. And you'd bet your house on that being Rampasad as the six and Omar and Jeremy as the eights. Um, so it was, it was really interesting to see that Omar was actually the lone six, the single pivot. And I liked it because that's where he played in college and that's where he played very, very well in college and earned himself um, a first round draft pick 
for the MLS. So that's obviously his best position if if playing there was what got him selected in the first round of the MLS draft. And it suits like his skill set, it suits him so much more than playing as an eight because Omar Omar likes to have the game happening in front of him. He likes to get the ball to feet and have nothing but wondrous players behind him and the whole game in front of him. So he can like look up and pick a pass. And you, you saw his qualities. You saw him doing that. Like he, it's the tidiest he's looked for us. It's the most crisp he's looked at with his passing as well. And I just, I just felt like I was looking at someone who finally felt at home and finally could breathe and relax and go, okay, I'm playing where I should be playing now. Because I think, I think two months ago, one month ago, even he would have been stuck as an eight because we, we were getting to the point of being so reliant on Rampersad in that position, like as a six, that I don't think, I don't think they'd have had the balls to try Omar there and Omar there instead. But I mean, things have been so bad lately. We had to do that, and yeah, he flourished. He was great, and I think as well, Rampersad as an eight really works because he. And like this isn't a, any, a knock on Polisi, but Polisi and Lamoth really, who both normally play there, they they don't really carry the ball vertically do they 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 kind of like to shuffle sideways do little combination play or if you're police like just fucking clash smash someone <laughs> and win the ball back but Rambasad like he he likes to carry it with the ball at his feet and he likes to be very direct and forward like forward facing so I think that helped as well because it made our offensive distances a lot smaller when you've got someone like Rambasad who can connect with the two forwards um so the midfield setup was really interesting for me um our two full, our two wing backs are far closer to being wing backs than they are being full backs. So again, this formation suits them. Playing with a back three suits us because it kind of plugs all these holes that had started to crop up and were the reason that we had started to look so vulnerable and so poor defensively recently. So it just makes us more solid at the back. We've got the right, we've got the right personnel for wing backs, we've got the right personnel for the midfield three. And then You've got a front two in Salt and Mwandwe, like a little and large thing where one person's kind of back to goal, hold up, and one person's playing off the shoulder, trying to spin in behind, make those runs. So just collectively, it, it looked good. It looked cohesive. Um, didn't look perfect, but that's understandable because we've spent the whole season playing 4-3-3 and now suddenly we've shifted. So, of course, it doesn't look perfect yet. But, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. And I, I hope we see more of it going forward. Um, I, I I totally agree. I I really think that we looked so like a much better team. Like we saw against Forge, and I know you kind of mentioned that that's it was it was almost like that we did that because we were playing Forge. Um, but I'm kind of glad that he stuck with it too because, um, it, it, we just we just looked so so much more effective. You know, like even as you mentioned there, like about having Omar sitting back and Rampersat playing as an eight, like that pass that Rampersat set up for Salter where, where Salter should have scored was was we, when was the last time we saw a, pl- a pass like that from anybody in the team you know what i mean but like putting someone in like that i, I thought was uh re- really good I, I thought that we were disrupting their play an awful lot in the middle because um they like to just from where i was sitting like like they like to do like little intricate little one twos and little triangles and i thought that we were breaking them up really really nicely you know, and it ended up we just they just attacked down the right-hand side trying to do something and we, we broke up the play so many times and uh, caused them some, some issues but I must say like having Jake Jake Ruby back like I, I forgot how much of a good player he is yeah same, he, same. He, he was like solid as a rock back there like I don't think he put a foot wrong and considering that he hasn't played a game of football probably in a year uh, 
was phenomenal. Like, I, I mean, I, I just, you know, like, I, I, I read like, you know, I, I kind of talk about like how Stephen throws players in at the deep end an awful lot. That was throwing him in at the deep end again, just like get in there and hope. And like the fact he played a full ninety as well was kind of crazy. But he, he was he was excellent. Um, I think that nothing got past him. His positioning was incredible. He had that kind of. I think at the end he kind of gave away a free kick, but I, I don't even know if that was his fault. It was kind of just oh, of those... his legs would have been going by yeah, that point as so, well. So, so I thought he was really good. I thought that um, the link up play between the defense, the wing backs, and their forwards, like I thought that Tabby and Moanwe played really, really well together. Like mm. uh, they were kind of um, like, re- like you know, when Fumpa had the ball and like he was pushing forward like Tabby wasn't afraid to get up beside him and it could like I think there was one where he actually went inside and Salter nearly found Tabby in the middle for for a shot so it I just felt like we had so many options and I think we were kind of pulling because their their back line especially their two uh two center backs are not the quickest mm. and I think having like Tabby and uh Fumpa like going at them really caused him a lot of problems and I think you know we've talked a lot about Fumpus since he came in and obviously the expectations and stuff for that, but he just, we just haven't had that sort of player yeah. like since Carav- Caravandre that will attack and get his head down and just like go at it. And I, I know that people might get a little bit frustrated with him because he does it all the time. And I, I did see like a comment online. I think that, you know, he's a one trick pony, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, we haven't had that trick and like the fact that we have somebody who's able to push a defense backwards and make them make them think like i mean like he won the penalty because of it and um, what what did you think of his um performance bumper yeah yeah he was he was great um sorry just just quickly on what you said about tabby as well and fernandez being good i think like a, a 532 lives and dies by its wing by the wing backs and the job they do i think like the, the wing backs in a 532 they are they're just, you're like your stabilizers if you know kids ride bikes yep. you need like stabilizing wheels they're basically that and 532 looks really good when the wing backs are on it positionally so they know when to go and they know when to tuck back and they know when to like keep that flat line with the back three and making it a back five and 532 can look really bad when the wing backs aren't on it because it constantly looks like you've, you're really vulnerable down the flanks but I thought they were both really good at the balance of when to go and when to when to drop back as well. So, yeah, yeah, they were they were excellent. Um, Mwandwe was great again. I think we tend to when, when we watch football, and we all we all do this. Like, we tend to only focus on what a player does when they've got the ball when they're in possession. And like, if you think about a player throughout a game of football, throughout 90 minutes of football, they're probably only touching the ball for about two, three minutes, especially for forwards. So we kind of base everything we see on those two or three minutes when there's another 87 minutes of them making constant runs. And like, that's that's what I like about Mwandwe. He is constantly looking to make a run in behind. He's constantly looking to stretch the opposition centre-backs. And we didn't we didn't really when that little period we had before we signed him when we had like Daniels as a false nine, Salter, uh, Marshall or whatever, like we didn't really have anyone making those sorts of runs. We had just three creative players who wanted to like touch the ball a lot and and look for little combination play. But Mwanwe is just so direct. All he wants to do is run in behind. All he wants to do is score. Um, <laughs> like a fantastic dribbler, like really, really jinky, low center of gravity. So he can kind of wriggle under players as well um 
Shep pointed this out to me as well. I didn't really notice it till he said, but like he was like, if you look at Valor, they've definitely been told not to go anywhere near him when he's in the box. Because they've obviously watched tape of him, and, him yep. and gone. He's really good at winning penalties. So you see, like, any time he's in the box, Valor players are, like, putting their arms in the air, showing they're not touching him and stuff. But even by doing that, they still ended up giving a penalty away because when you do what he does and try and, like, beat players in the box, try and dribble in the box, like, you have to do something as a defender. And he's so good at winning penalties that if you do anything, he will go down. He will... I don't, I don't want to say make it look like there was contact because that suggests he was diving. I don't think he was diving, but he certainly knows how to make it look like it was probably a bit worse than it was. Um, so yeah, he was really, really good. I, I can still, I can still see the growth of the player though and what he can become because I think he still needs to work on how he, how he plays with his back to goal. And if he's a striker in this league, a very, very physical league, like you yeah. have to do a lot of back to goal work. And I think, I actually think he could look at, like, I mean, Akeem has really not had a good two years now. But like, one thing Akeem can always do is protect the ball with his back to goal. He just backs his ass in and like shields it really well. And I think, I think Fumpa, the physicality of doing that isn't there yet for him. I think he, I don't think he's got the upper body strength or like the robustness in his hips to protect the ball with his back to goal. So that's something again in the off season like hitting the gym working really really hard on those movements and like how to angle your body when you receive it with your back to goal that's that's all to come and that's all coachable stuff that he's going to get better at but yeah he's 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 felt like a breath of fresh air since he came into the team um and he's only going to get better as well yeah like we've definitely needed a lift and whenever he gets the ball there's a sense of anticipation that he's going to do something. And even when he doesn't, you know, like he, you can see he gets a little bit frustrated with himself and something doesn't come off. But like when he makes those runs and he doesn't get the ball, like he's not an asshole and it's just like fucking pass to me. You know what I mean? Like he's mm-hmm. kind of, he's, he's a proper team player in relation to what you're saying about holding the ball up. I mean, he is, he was playing against one of the biggest defenders in the league. Yeah, in, in, in John, the monster, and, yeah. and I, I think that, that stance, uh, like that, that'd be putting him in good stead for the rest of the season, just to kind of give him an idea of what he's kind of up against. But I mean, even for like the goal after the when he hit the post, like it was that was out of nothing, really. Like, I mean, like it was you wouldn't expect him to shoot, and the keeper was like well and truly beaten. Um, and and for the penalty, like if I'm a Valor fan, like I'd be pissed at Bicero. There was no need for him to jump in there, but mm. as you said, like it, when you're a defender, it's like it's a natural instinct that you want to do something. You want to be like, you kind of sense the danger and you just need to stick a leg out. And like, yeah, you know, I mean, somebody's that quick and there's just that second ahead of you, like you're fucked. And as yeah. soon as he stuck that leg out, like it was going to be a penalty, but you know, like just to kind of not to be just to kind of change tack a little bit. Like obviously the, the goal we got was a penalty. So we haven't scored from open play again, kind of thing. Um, I, I just looked at, like the chance that Salter had, and I looked at, I don't know if you saw the, the Pacific game, um, ju- like the chance that Josh Hare took in the eighth minute. Like uh, these are the differences I think between that top tier and like the kind of the rest of us. So, do you, do you think that's like Sam Salter can become that that type of player? Because I mean, he's 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 had a couple of games now when he's had chances like this and he snatched at them. Mm. Is it a confidence thing? Is it something he needs to work on? Will he ever get there? Like, do we need to, like, as a club, like, stop 
like you know we were kind of just talking a little bit before uh, off air like i mean like you, you see saw babuli coming into uh to york and hamilton into forge and i don't want to harp on about that but we don't have i don't think that kind of a player that can like finish chances like that for us so do you think it's something that we need to address in the off season or do you stick with salter and hope that you know he kind of irons that out i think i think salter when you have Morelli as foil is fine because Morelli is the person that he's our Babuli, he's our Hamilton, he's yeah. the one that smashes 15 a season in. And I think Salter, the Salter of maybe two months ago scores that all day long. Like if you think back to that goal he scored away to Edmonton, which was way, way harder than that chance. Um, like he scores that all day long. Maybe, maybe it is a bit of confidence. Maybe he had a bit of a hot streak a couple of months ago and he hasn't really been on it so much recently. So maybe that's playing on his mind a bit. I think I think with that chance, he just didn't quite get his feet right. Like you see, he fell over after he missed it. So I think he was off balance a little bit. And yeah, it, it, he, he absolutely should have scored though. I mean, we, we say about like we didn't score any open play goals in that game, but that chance was an incredibly good chance. Fumper hitting the post wasn't a particularly good chance, but it was a good effort. And then I think it was Rampersad had a header in the second oh, half yeah. as well, which yeah. was basically an open goal. So on another day, that's 4-1 and we scored three open play goals. But I'm, I'm loath to say that because I feel like I've been talking about this club for three years and I've said... <laughs> I've said that so many times. Like, yeah. like we had the chances, we had the, and there comes a point where that's not a, an excuse anymore. It's like a, it becomes a feature, not a bug. Um, so yeah, I, I don't like to use that excuse anymore, even though it's true for Saturday. Yeah, and I, I mean, like even at the, you know, like last season, that was one of the big things about us that we were creating tons of chances. Uh, this season, we've had games when we've created like lots of chances, and we just never seem to be able to put them away. And even you know, like last season, we still had like Morelli, but outside of him, we just didn't have anybody else that was able to to, to do stuff at the same level. And I, th- I think at some stage, we're going to have to come to a realisation that maybe we need to, instead of like just constantly giving younger guys or unknowns a chance, maybe just like bite the bullet and just go for somebody and, and mm-hmm. risk it. Bring like back Correa. Bring back Correa. Man, what a legend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like uh, and that, that sorry, that was like I just feel like we, we like sometimes we need to like not just be uh like homers and we kind of just need to kind of talk a little bit, whatever. But I mean I, I just thought that um No, no, mate, no, I don't think you need to apologize for that. It's a perfectly valid point. Like if you just look at the goals for and against columns in the league table, and that tells you that that is a huge issue for us and it's is I don't if you look at Saturday's game in isolation I think you say there's nothing to worry about there actually because we had the chances and on another day they'll go in but that's the first game I can think of in quite a long time where we've created that many really good chances so normally it normally it's more of an issue of creating anything um so yeah Saturday in isolation fair enough but overall over the season we haven't created anywhere near enough so I think that's perfectly valid perfectly valid I, I did want to bring up just uh, before we get into like the second half and the uh, the 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 battle of the, the battle royale <laughs> outside hmm. the box. Um, we had like a former wanderer come in town, uh, Alessandro Rigi, who I, I I think is a he's a great guy. I thought he was a great ambassador for the club when he was here. Hmm. He's a really nice guy, but I kind of felt bad from that he got uh, taken off at half time and 
for the life of me, I don't understand why. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to, this isn't a Valor podcast, so I shouldn't really give a shit, but I actually like the guy. And I think that he was like one of the players that when he was actually given the ball was actually causing some trouble. Um, but yeah, it was great to see him kind of back and he, he looks, he looks fit and he looks, he looks up for it. It was kind of nice to see. Yeah, I think as a player, he's he's changed his game. And it, I don't think with us, he'd quite figured out what he was now. Because if you think of him um, in USL with the Impact Academy, like he was a quick dribbler and he kind of like liked to kind of go on the outside. But I, after his injuries, and, and they were really serious injuries, yeah. I, I don't think he can do that anymore. So he's he's becoming something else now. Um, he's more of like he's more of like a half space, small space player now. And he's very technically he's really, really secure as well. So you can trust him in those areas. And yeah, very happy for him as well. I, I, I remember when he first signed with Wanderers. So this was two and a half years ago. I did um, an interview with him for my blog. So it was like a phone call interview. And then I transcribed it and wrote up a load of bollocks around it to make it sound better. And I remember him saying to me, and I, I didn't put this in the blog because I thought I thought afterwards he might have regretted saying it to me so I didn't include it and like enough time has passed now where I think it's okay <laughs> to talk about it and he's kind of proved it wrong so he said during the interview that he was like yeah I still haven't really gotten over those injuries I had like he was like I still don't know if I'm going to be able to play professionally anymore and when he said it to me I was like fucking hell we've just signed him and like he's wow. like why is he being this open about this now and like yeah, like I said, when I wrote up the article, I made a conscious decision not to include that because, again, I thought maybe he was having kind of a vulnerable day and would have regretted saying that. Um, and I feel OK saying it now because he's proved he can play professionally still. He's played for the last two and a half years since he said that. So he obviously proved to himself he could and got going again. But it just shows you, like, in terms of from a mental health perspective, the players have these deep insecurities and these deep fears about their career. And like you said, he, by all accounts, is a, is a lovely guy. So it's really nice that he's overcome that and is carving out himself as, I don't, I don't, I don't know what he's going to be positionally. Like, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how he develops because he's got technically he's so good and it's just going to be how he uses that now. He doesn't have the pace to go alongside it as well. But he's, he's definitely like CPL caliber and, and yeah, it's nice to see him doing well. Yeah, I, I could see him almost playing you know, as like as a ten or something like that, like a, yeah, kind of a playmaker. Because yeah. uh, was it last week? Uh, whoever they were playing, I think it was uh, Ottawa, or, where we played like a beautiful true ball for, for for one of their goals. And yeah, like that's the thing. Like even up until last year, he was still unsure of his body and like what what's been through. And I, I, I like you know it, I don't want to over egg the whole thing about him being injured and like he's not the type of guy that would want a big sub story over him and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like it's just great seeing him back out playing football. And, mm. um, you know, he's really found a, a good niche for himself in, um, in Valor. And I just, I, I didn't think he deserved to be taken off at halftime. I just wanted to yeah. It must maybe an injury. Cause yeah, I, I thought he was probably their best player to be honest. Yeah. I think there was, but... there was one there just before, uh, just for Salter's chance. I think he was, he did a cross that, um, Oxen Ox, was kind of, yeah, just got that. a fingertip too. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, so just moving on then, like to the second half, then kind of more the same. I thought, like you know, they 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 tried to change things up a little bit. They brought Daryl Fordyce on and, and things like that, and he he he's Daryl Fordyce used to be a striker, um, and then when he was playing the League of Ireland there before he came here, um, he kind of developed into this kind of 
central uh, defensive midfielder because he's got a great range pass. And there's a couple of times when he's able to ping a few pass, but I, I don't I don't think that they were able to create very much. And you could see the frustration the frustration was starting to get to them, um, which led to uh, the the red card. But um, <laughs> from where you were, uh, what did you make of the? Um, the 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 melee I guess and the referee like falling <laughs> over and everything it was it yeah. was amazing <laughs> I d- I didn't I didn't know the ref had fallen until I watched the replay because that was happening like over the t- heads of the people I could see um, see I was really surprised to see Omar charging in there to like give it some because he always has always seemed like this really cool level headed guy so it was weird to see him kind of lose his shit a bit and go in and but you you, you want to see that don't you, you want to see yeah. like, players sticking up for their teammates and the whole brotherhood and I've got your back like that would have been very problematic if that happened and we didn't have half our team charging in to support Rampasad and Fernandez who was down um but yeah, I didn't. I couldn't really work out what happened with, uh, like, how did the ref end up on the deck? Like, I, so, for, like, so my timeline is like Fernandez got 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 felled, and the ref blew, and then their player I think came through Rampersat, and that's when that everybody kind of came over. And I think there, I've noticed that some of the CPL referees like tend to step in the way mm. uh, to try and stop both sides and I guess that like somebody had come in from the side to kind of push and shove and that's how the referee kind of got like knocked somebody knocked somebody into the referee if you know what I mean and he kind of went on his <laughs> yeah, head, yeah, o- yeah. head over tit uh it, it was like obviously you don't want to see a referee fall and of course you fucking do I know man it was fucking, <laughs> no I, I one a, wants a, to see a, that a, yes they I, do I, I had a fucking great view it was, it was, fucking, <laughs> it was like Keystone Cops thing man it was fucking amazing but um, yeah but uh, as you said like it was kind of like you mentioned earlier on about Omar's performance and uh, a lot of people came away from the game like like when I was talking to them saying he had a fantastic game but there was a nice like little bite to him, wasn't there? Like, I mean, even mm. like that bit when he came in, like like whatever, but even like during the game, I thought he had like a little bit more about him. Um he, he I guess like playing in his normal position, because I guess like the last time he played, he wasn't playing as a like a six, I think he's playing as an eight because Rampers yeah, was he back was. there. And it's nice that Stephen Hart's actually like is trusting them to to go in there and do the Rampersat role. Um, mm. And I guess having Rampersat besides you isn't too bad either, but man, I thought, I thought he was excellent. I, th- I thought like it was having Jeremy back too. Like it, I wouldn't yeah. say it was Jeremy's greatest game ever, but just having that kind of stability and like, so like, you know, like, you can trust them. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're St- a player. Stabi- stability is the word. Yes. It's all stability with him and, and balance as well. Like, we, we sometimes look a bit lopsided when he's not playing because we're better, like we've talked about this before, but we, we tend to be better playing down the right-hand side. And especially when Jeremy's not there on the left to add that stability and add that balance, we look very, very lopsided. So, yeah, just it was so nice to have him back. And I think like we talked on the pod last week and I said I felt quite confident about that game and thought we were going to beat Valor. And a lot of that is because Jeremy was, was back and such a good player. So, so, so technical, so tidy, doesn't, like, I can't really think of him ever losing the ball for a mistake. So you guaranteed a seven out of 10 from him every single week. So yeah, really good to have him back. Big time. And I, I must say, um, like uh, we saw the, I thought we saw the game out really professionally. Um, I, I think it was against Calvary when it was 2-2. I, I kind of mentioned that Stephen Hart wasn't the happiest in the dressing room afterwards because um, he 
he thought that the senior players should have taken more of a role of keeping the ball rather than trying to go for that second goal. I, th- I thought the way that we sought out the game was very, very professional. We kind of went for the corners and we just... They, like, <laughs> they started going for the corner proper early as well. Like yeah. I think it was like the 85th minute the yeah. first time I noticed it. I was, <laughs> the, the, 40, fucking hell. the 46 minutes straight into the yeah. corner. <laughs> I was like that. And you could, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Robinson, actually. And his ears were probably ringing from... Because it was him in the Cavalry game, wasn't it? Who, yeah. who lost the ball. And I think it was him. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was him, yeah. In like the 85th minute. And he kind of got the ball... And I saw him like he looked up and then he looked over at the corner flag and I was like, oh shit, shot. <laughs> and, like, you, and then I noticed Rampy turn around and look at the scoreboard to see what minute it was as well. And they obviously figured out that, all right, yeah, we're going to start doing it from, from now. And to be fair, it did take the sting out of the game. It, oh, never, it never felt too, it never felt too dodgy towards the end, did it? It always there, felt. There was that kind of free kick at the end. Uh, like, as, as you said, at Ruby's like legs were starting to go a little bit, but Apart from that, like they didn't really cause that much trouble. Like considering the players that they have, I think though it was a very professional performance. Stephen Hart been under an awful lot of pressure, um, a lot of people on his back, um, in a lot of cases maybe deservedly so. But I think he got his tactics spot on. Um, substitutions were spot on. Uh, personnel was spot on. So mm. it was a good it was a good day all around. I thought. What do, you, do you think um, something I've been thinking about and talked to a few people on Twitter about as well is, do you think this is it now will be a 5-3-2 team until the end of the season? Or do you think this was more of a like pushing case of emergency? Let's just get solid for a little while and then we can kind of go back to the system. Or I, I think, uh, I, I don't know whether like I'm old fashioned or not, but I think that a lot of times you kind of have to play you have to like you have to be adaptable, I think, and I think that's one of our problems this year is that like we were so rigid, we were so rigid in the system that we had, mm. trying to force it to work when we didn't need to. Like you know, I've kind of mentioned before when like when you're talking to Bobby Smirniotis or you're talking to um, Tommy Whelan Jr. Like a lot of it's kind of like bollocks too because it's like trying to like sound like you're. Um, like Carlo Ancelotti or something like that. Yeah, they're, t- yeah. they're talking about like transitioning and changing formations and like throughout the game, where it's not just you set up one way and then you, you adapt as the game goes on. And I feel like we're not very good at that. And I, I like that's why, like, the, when we were doing the 4 3 3, I don't think we had the players to do it. I don't think the play like the, the like we're just trying to plug players into whatever. And we were never able to adapt to it. And I think this is the first time when you look at the players that we had out. And you could see, okay, Fernandez is a wing back, Tabby's a wing back, the three at the back are defenders, the midfielders, like everybody just looked in a position that they're comfortable with. And like, and I think, like, when our first 11 are, are playing and they're playing well, like, we are able to compete for the most part in the league, I think. And I just think that that's been one of our big problems is that, like, coaching management has been very stubborn in the way that they've been setting the teams up and I think this goes to show that if you're willing to adapt you might find a winning formula but that's you know that's yeah, kind of the way I, no I agree I agree completely I think you need you need you need to start the season with one or two formations in your back pocket you can't just rely on one because because by the third or fourth game like other teams have all the data points they need on you. They know how you play. They know which side you're vulnerable on. So you need to be able to offer a bit of unpredictability and you need to be able to switch in-game if it isn't working. Like if 
if you think back to those Forge games where we lost three and four nil at home, like by the twentieth minute of those games, we should have switched to a five three two. And that yep. about and those games, we might still have lost those games, but we would not have lost three nil or four nil. But I, I mean. It's difficult to switch to 5-3-2 because you essentially, if you're going to do it in-game, one of your midfielders or attackers has to either be subbed off for a centre-back or capable of dropping back and playing as a centre-back. So if you look at our team, like if we're playing 4-3-3 and we have Rampasad, Jeremy and Polisi in midfield, hypothetically one of them would move back as a center back and then one of the forwards would move back as a center midfielder so daniels can do that for example daniels is our false nine okay he comes back as one of the midfield three police drops into central defense so that kind of works you can do that but it's not ideal so i think but and then if you think about a team like cavalry they can do that because i think elliot simmons can do a fine job as a yeah. as a right-sided center back like playing out from the back so it, that it, that is the difficulty of that especially moving to 532 but then what what do you have training for all week if that's not to work on these contingency plans and kind of train up one of our midfielders to be able to drop back in as a center back so yeah completely agree you need that you need that versatility and adaptability to just keep 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 teams guessing like don't don't make us easy to play against don't make us easy to scout like you you want them to be sitting in the dressing room and doing their work throughout the week and going and second guessing everything going oh they might play four two three one but they might play this and they might play this and you need that to be to be a team that competes at this level, I think. And so hopefully this is it now. Hopefully we understand the 5-3-2, we understand the 4-3-3, and we can become much more malleable as a result. But that, that, that I think that goes back to, and, you know, it's been talked to death about, like when Morelli got injured, like rather than us trying to adapt the system to the players that we then had, we tried to keep that system as if Morelli was just going to be mm. a slot in replacement for him. And it was never going to work because if you're building this, like one system around like a player like that, and then they, they're not in there anymore. Like you got to realize you don't have that player anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, the, and I think that's always been like a problem with the Wanderers is that we've always tried to go for this versatile players and hope that somebody will do like be able to play somewhere and stuff like that. Whereas I think with this formation, we actually had players playing where they should play and you can see mm. the difference. Like they look comfortable. Like there wasn't, there was, wasn't too many errors. Like, I mean, even like with Tabby, who's, you know, he's been through the, through the grinder a little bit. Like I thought he was really like secure and stuff like that. And obviously having Jeremy kind of alongside him, I think is like, is massive for him because like, you know, if, if he goes or he makes an error, he has somebody yeah. who's willing to, slot in beside him and help him out kind of thing you know what i mean i don't know whether if police or lamoth are playing that they're they're doing that kind of thing you know what i mean and i think mm. that's why jeremy is like such a, an important part of this team and i hope that he stays for a little bit longer because he's one of the players i think that's going to bring along this the core of young players because yeah. uh, he's just smart in the way he plays the game and you can learn a lot from him but um, have you got an option on him for next year I think we've got an option. Okay, I, then I, I can't foresee them not taking that option. Surely, unless he gets an offer somewhere else, that's the problem, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, which, but I, he's good I, enough I, to play yeah, at a high level, in my opinion. You, you know, there's people who do like these like charts uh, all the time, and uh, I think uh, there's hardly any players we really have options. Uh, we have a lot of options next year, but we don't have a lot of players signed. So, mm. um, so yeah. So just before we go, um, I just wanted to. Uh, and look into 
our Molson mailbag. Okay, nice. <laughs> and Moore's Colson mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, somebody, somebody did ask us a, a, a question. So Denton asked a question, didn't he? Uh, he did. I will find out in a second on somebody else. So one of the questions we got asked was about the uh, the new players, and I think we've answered that. You think there are already some players the club knows they aren't bringing back next year? For example, is Garcia not playing because the club wants to see what they have in some other forwards, or because they've given up on Garcia? Maybe both. I would say if you if you polled anyone that pays attention to Wanderers in any kind of depth, like watches home and away the list of players you have as supporters who shouldn't come back next season are probably pretty close to the players that the club also doesn't think should come back next season. I I actually think on a human level, it's a really difficult decision to make. But if if we're kind of just looking at this very coldly and without emotion, we all know which players shouldn't still be at the club next season. I I like, again, maybe we can have a chat in depth about that at the end of the season. I don't, I'm still kind of going back and forth on how comfortable I feel about saying these names out loud. Um, but I mean, I guess it's a chat we need to have eventually. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the club knows roughly. I think there's probably still some who are fighting for a contract offer, but I think that list is quite small. Like we, we talked about it last week, we have nine attackers and I think we'll have four of them max at the club next season. I- uh, and I did reply to the person who who, who posted this one um, that I did see him do a warm up, so I think he might have been injured because he was up in the the media box at Keem. So mm. I think that's why he wasn't selected. I think that he's probably carrying a knock, but at the same time, it's um, it's going to be a difficult. I think there's going to be a lot of difficult uh, conversations because the problem too is that like you know just on the back of like Dave Finlayson leaving, it's um, we're at like. It's it's nostalgia for that like that start, you know what I mean? Like like yeah. Akeem scored the first goal, Peter was here, like for you know, he was like one of the big stars of the first season. And it's gonna to be tough letting letting people go, you know. And it, but unfortunately it's, it's part of football and it sucks, but you know, it's it, it, we're all gonna to have to face up to the realities that these guys aren't gonna be here forever, unfortunately. So especially because the club and the players we've had on the most part of so good at like the community stuff as well yeah so good at like going to these community events like not phoning it in actually like engaging with the people they're doing it with engaging with the kids and i i think you build relationships like that don't you like there's a lot of supporters a lot of supporters who probably have name basis relationships with a lot of the players because it's just that sort of club which is which is a good thing but it also means when it comes to making decisions about players' futures, like the people making those decisions have to put that to one side, which I don't envy them for at all. I think Definitely that's not. a horror. So that's yeah. probably, well, not probably, it's the, the worst part of like Derek, Matt and Steven's job is doing that, I'm sure. Um, but it's a com- it's professional sports, isn't it? You kind of, you know what you're signing up for. The players know what they're signing up for. It's that sort of industry. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think honestly, I think in the off season there's going to be it's going to what's what's I've I'm going to get my cultural reference point wrong here, but what's that Game of Thrones episode that everyone references where half the cast got killed off, half the characters got killed off, like the oh, Red Wedding or something? I, I can I'm glad to say I've never watched Game of yeah, Thrones. Yeah, so. I haven't either. Like, I know that as a cultural <laughs> reference point, and I think it's going to okay. be like that where half of 
more than I, half of the squad is gone. I, I think it's going to be like uh, the end of the the first season going into the Ireland games where yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite, quite a big turnover. And I think it's it's kind of needed. But at the same time, though, I think that whoever's in charge of recruitment needs to take some of the responsibility that like the players that we're bringing in. And I don't think it's fair to say that they're just not good players. I just think that for the systems and for what we're trying to do, they're just not the right players. And I think that's kind of unfair on them. And I think that's somewhere that as a club, we kind of need to learn stuff a little bit better rather than just trying to get a player in and hoping they come. And I said this the last time, just hoping they come good and that we might have somebody to sell on rather than bringing in a player that we need. And I think that's the difference. I think if you look at like where Calvary and Forge and, and, and Pacific, like when they, when somebody moves on or whatever like that, like there's, there's, they know who they need to bring in to replace them. Like we brought in Amelia and it was, I felt it was just like, we just did it just because he played well and it was a good chance of was getting a good player. You know what I mean? Like I, th- I, th- I think with that, I think when you, we're talking about our recruitment, I think we have to make a distinction between our off-season recruitment and our mid-season recruitment. Because I actually think our off-season recruitment has always been really good. Like if you think about the rebuild they did from 2019 to 2020, where we were, we were dreadful in 2019. Yeah. And we that rebuild was excellent. Like if you think of the players that came in then, that was like the Morelli summer, the Sizoko summer, um, Gems Jafrad. It was a really, really good rebuild. So that was an excellent summer. But yeah, I agree. Like the stuff we've done mid-season has never quite worked. And I think if you look at the players that are not going to earn themselves a new contract, like a high a high percentage of them are mid, mid-season signings. Because it's a bit of a crapshoot at that time, isn't it? Like, yeah, you just you just need to fling fling stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a huge a huge job in the off season, yeah. which is kind of good for fans because we get like a lot of a lot of like signings to research and stuff. So that's quite that makes it quite a fun off season for us. But yeah, so fuck, fuck we'll, having to do that. As a, we'll, we'll, we'll just call him Matt the Chopper Fegan. Uh, when we're I think it's all, all all three. Like <laughs> I imagine this the chats then three have had like sitting down in front of a whiteboard, and I it's like the I, I don't envy them whatsoever, man. Uh, it's fucking horrible. Uh, it's the worst part of the fucking. I wonder game. who's like who who's who makes the final decision. Like I'm not privy to that information, but I uh, wonder if it's Derek or Stephen or Matt who's the one that goes nah. The the, 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 the person I would want making that decision is the coach because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's the guy that's supposed to be putting the team together and making the formation. So I would like to think that he would have the final say, but I know that in modern football, that's not the way it really works. Is that like the director of football or whoever goes out and gets the players and mm. the manager has to mold them. So anyway, I, I, I think Hart's a bit of a traditionalist though. I don't see him working in that sort of environment where he feels like he's undermined by anyone. So yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it would come from him or maybe like Dorado's like a silent assassin. So like, <laughs> he just like see see or no no <laughs> he just like so, gives a thumbs up so, and a thumbs down for every player like, <laughs> yeah yeah so uh that's that's gary's homework for next week is to talk to matt Fegan and find out who has the final uh the final say and giving the person the the, the, the heave ho yeah so um this one's from denton so thankfully we're going to end on a kind of happier question cool. um what's your ideal wanderers away trip uh the efficiency of zipping to toronto the scenery of victoria the wild ruckus of calgary 
or would you prefer to wait for a big game like a CPL final or an MLS Canadian Championship match? Uh, like, like it doesn't exist yet, but my my dream away game would always be St. John's, Newfoundland. I'd absolutely love it if they got a team there because you can kind of do an away weekend there pretty easily, can't you? Yeah. And I think like, I don't know that. I've only been there once, but I, I wonder if there is space for a st- soccer-specific stadium there. So that'd don't, be... Don't, don't they no. have one already? Because I didn't... I don't know. Kind of the... Kind of, kind of they qualified for the World Cup in St. John. Uh, in mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course they did. Yeah. Uh, St. John's, yeah. So, um, but they like, must have something, yeah. I think Moncton would probably be the one that would be more likely to happen because they already have a, like a proper stadium there. So, yeah. Um, I wonder if there'd be the support there to. Who the fuck wants to go Moncton? I was like, going to say, yeah. dreary place. Apologies to everyone who listens who lives there but yeah yeah, yeah. um it's, but in in, the, like, in terms of stadiums that exist now like just i'd quite like to go to um pacific just because that looks like a really nice part of the country and i've not been west beyond toronto so yeah that's that's my I, so scenery wise i would like to go see uh, the pacific game but just at, atmosphere wise i'd like to go to um uh to Calgary, Calgary uh, yeah, Calgary. Just is, just see, like, the stadium looks. I, I think that's a good blueprint for what we want to do. I think like yeah. the covered stands and a little bit that's open. Um, Atletico Ottawa are building a nice little, um, an, a nice little thing in uh, with their fan base and stuff for that. But it's just that that stadium is way too big for where they are right now. But um, yeah, I'd like to go to Calgary, just see the game, jump on a plane, and just go back home. Um, I don't really. Yeah, have that yeah, much they're not to stay there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> So yeah, man. So um, thank God we got to see a victory. It's been it's been fun uh, looking back at uh, what's been going on. Don't forget to check out our competition on our Instagram at Down the Pub Pod. Uh, it's also on Twitter at Down the Pub Pod. I think I think I said Thursday is when I'll give the uh, the the winners the, uh, the 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 heads up that they've won. We've got two games coming up. We've got Ottawa, and then we've got Pacific on Saturday. So we'll probably do a double header then. Yeah, yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, uh, hopefully the sponsors will be okay with that, and they won't uh, get I'm angry sure at us. Be fine, yeah. Well, do we get to give two Heineken boxes away for the next pod? Then, if there's two matches, is that how it works? No, it's not how it works. Plus, also, we're probably going to get fired since we've been calling it Colson Moores for most Molson Moores. Oh fucking hell! So that's so our. We both have homework for next week. Mine is to learn the name of our sponsor properly, and yours is to find to out find out who fires the who's, players, who's the assassin in the yeah. <laughs> in the club. Right. So, Gareth, it's been an absolute pre- pleasure, man. Uh, talk to you soon, buddy. Cheers, mate. Bye, bye. Come on.